Hey guys, welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. A little bit of a celebration today um, and got to do whatever it is you did. Um, So we... Typically in the past, you've heard me kind of joke around about the midnight thing of, of waking up at midnight and breaking the fast and all those things. And so, you know, in my own hypocrisy, uh, we decided as a family, we're going to wake up at just after midnight. And we had some donut wagon donuts. Has anybody ever had those before? Donut wagon donuts are wonderful. Um, you, you look it up. It's great. So the donut wagon was in town yesterday. Got some of those. You know, we had been fasting from TV, been fasting from all this junk food and all these things. And so at, at 12.01, we got up, got the kids up, had a donut, watched some TV for a little bit, had a, had a little party right there, and then we all went back to bed, right? Um, so it was, uh, it was fun. It, it was a blast. I hope your 21-day fast was fulfilling. I hope you learned some things. Um, I hope God revealed some things. And the ultimate goal, really each year, we have a fasting schedule that we want to do. We want to be serious about um, being, um, pursuing Jesus. And so we do have this like time each year where we do these 21 days. And then we have the first day fast each month that we come together just as a congregation to fast and pray in gratitude. But hopefully, my, my greatest hope is that we'll be able to take these on our own and plug in times of fasting and prayer when, when life calls for that. that. That we aren't waiting, we're not waiting for a, a program necessarily, but there may be times you go, you know what, I need to just back away from this for a time. I need to back away and, and fast and pray. And it might be you, it might be you and your spouse, it may be you and your roommates or friends or whatever, but just this kind of organic growth of fasting and prayer. And so um, that, that's my hope, that we'll continue to grow in that. Amen. So spiritual maturity, what is today? February the 6th. We're like, what, five weeks into the new year. How many people are completely spiritually mature? Have you reached that point yet? Right. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> Remember what we're talking about is this is long term. Even when we stop talking about this and this isn't in the journey, isn't our theme any longer. This is what is going to be happening in our lives over time. I think far too often we in, in kind of a, in, in our own world of Christianity, we settle for stagnancy. We settle for a, a discipleship that just requires us to go to church that's boring, that's not exciting. We have to like figure that out on our own, but we're going to continually grow and we want to mature. Jesus teaches about that. And one of the things that's just interchangeable when you think of spiritual maturity, think of spiritual formation. Think of when, when the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us, 
There is a transformation process from the inside that begins at that moment. And it's going to be continual. And the goal of the Holy Spirit inside of us is to transform us into the likeness of Jesus. Right? It, not just to be really good church attenders. Not just to be really, you know, nice people or good people. The Holy Spirit is hard at work inside of us to form us into the likeness of Jesus to the glory of God. That's what the world needs to see. Jesus said something really amazing in John. He said, it's better for me to go away. Right? Could you imagine if Jesus was here every week, like he was a member of the Clemson Foothills Church, and he was here, and you'd think, what could be better than Jesus to be among us, like physically, like he's right here every single week. Could you imagine him saying, no, I need to go away because it will be better. It'll be better if I go away. And that's mind-blowing to think about. But this ultimate goal of what's better just to have like Jesus right here or to see Jesus formed in people, To to see Jesus formed in people, to see people coming together who love one another that in the world would never have done so. Right. That's how God is glorified. I know in our world we we try to find that. How can we glorify God? And it really isn't by scoring touchdowns. It's not from accomplishing something in the world that I've done and, and say, but I give it to the glory of God. I do everything. No, 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 no. The glory of God is when Christ is formed in us. And the world goes, wow, that's strange. That's weird that that would happen. But it's hard to argue with a changed life. It is tough to argue with that. And so this is what we're talking about. And we're going to continue. I don't know how long, but we're going to continue moving forward onto this. So we see here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 how transformation is the work of the Holy Spirit, right? Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom We all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. Let me ask you, is your experience of being in Christ one that is of freedom? I just want to throw that out there. Remember... The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. All right, again, far too often, we we are in kind of a Christian bondage, where our experience isn't freedom oftentimes. Our experience is like we're uptight, and we're nervous, and we're like jumpy and anxious and all these things. They said that the Spirit of the Lord, there's freedom, and that Spirit is transforming us. So if you have the Holy Spirit living in you. See, th- this is the beautiful thing. When, when we get to go see a baptism, it's not a ceremony. We're seeing a true miracle happen. V- very rarely, if you ask just in general in the Christian world... When do you have the Holy Spirit come and reside inside of you? Almost nobody knows when that is. Like, well, I think at this time, but I think at that time, but I think at that time. This is so vital. Because if we don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, transformation isn't occurring. That's why the Holy Spirit is so vital. That's why when you go to a baptism, it's not just seeing somebody get wet. 
We're actually, we're witnessing something in the spiritual world that could never happen ever. It's the greatest miracle we could possibly wrap our arms around here. So we're going, hold on a minute. That person, the Holy Spirit is now living in them and beginning this process of changing not just their behavior. Like my behavior wasn't changed. The Holy Spirit is changing what I like. Now, now keep in mind, the Holy Spirit's not trying to change my personality and he's not trying to change your personality. We're not trying to be like somebody else. The Holy Spirit is changing what we like, what I prefer, how I love, how I forgive. All of these things prior to that, mm -mm, I didn't have that. I could try in a worldly way, but that's the deep work that the Spirit is trying to form inside of us. He's trying to get down to the smallest little attitude inside of us, the smallest thing and, and, and not tell us, like, if you don't get better at this, I'm not going to love you. That's not what he does. He's saying, no, no, because I love you, I've put my spirit inside of you. And that spirit will change you substantively, like it's an actual change. And so you find yourself maybe thinking in a different way than you've ever thought before. Viewing sin in a different way than you ever viewed sin before. Viewing people in a way like you've never viewed people before. That should be happening as disciples with the Holy Spirit. We should have instances where we're going, why, why is it changing in me? It's because the Holy Spirit is doing his work. That, that's the beautiful thing about this. And so, and when you look at it, it is, it's, it is this really cool thing of a little bit of this kind of passive Christianity, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that he's not waiting for us to like conjure up some really great strategy to get him to really like us enough to change us. Right? We're not working from a, of a distance from God and going, okay, okay, so Jesus, if I really have a great quiet time today and really do good things and really am on the ball spiritually, then, how, then you'll change me? He said, no, no, no. It's not how it works. With the Holy Spirit, you start with closeness. You're already close to Jesus. We're not trying to get closer. And he's transforming us. We've spent some time in these three areas. And these all have been passive areas. Our need to stop and listen. If we're on this journey to spiritual maturity, to formation in Christ, and we neglect stopping and listening we will not reach the goal. We, we cannot be a people that hurry like the rest of the world and still look like Jesus, right? Sometimes that's tough as a disciple. It, it's hard because we want the product, we want, we want like the benefits that come from being like Jesus, but we don't want to do things the way Jesus did them, right? Jesus didn't engage in the crazy you know, high speed world. I understand they didn't have iPhones and all those kind of things, but Jesus was intentional about retreating. He was intentional about silence. He was intentional about listening to his father. How much more today with all of the things that we have? A, a number of us, you stopped social media the past 21 days. And I, I rarely ever hear from somebody that stops it and says, man, that was really a bad move. I should never have done that. It, it, there, there's something we are taking captive. It should scare us when we experience something and we experience life and freedom when it's gone. But we want so badly to have it back, 
Did you see that? That's not freedom. Okay? And so we've been talking about these things about prayer when Jesus said, let me teach you how to pray. Again, that, that's, that doesn't require effort, energy, you know, calories, anything like that. And then last week we talked about the freedom of submission. Th- these are all just ways, if we're trying to be formed and allow the Spirit to form us into the likeness of Christ and neglect these, it just won't happen. Now here's what ends up happening, and, and again, you, you may go, no, you're totally lying. I, I'm not because I've done this. I've experienced what I'm about to share with you. What ends up happening is, is when we're hurried and we're just trying to get through our prayer time and it's not super faithful and I am the boss of me going to church. When that happens, then there's, there's two things that can happen. People can find out that I'm a fraud. People can find out that he's not really free. People can find out that, man, he's, this isn't super real to him. Or I can create a persona. And it's required at that point to create a persona that my brothers and sisters see that is going to fake freedom and fake transformation and pretend like, man, being a disciple is just so unburdened. All right, that, that's not just something I have done in the past and fallen into. That's what's required of us if we're going to come into a church community every single week and live like the world. It's going to require us to create a mask of some sort. And you're going to feel it. You're going to feel not free. And you're going to feel double-minded. And you're going to feel like just all tense and all anxious and all these things. And we got to go back and look at how did Jesus do this? Of having significant time of stopping and listening. I mean significant time. I'm not talking about fitting it in just here and there. Of, of prayer like Jesus said to pray. This prayer of praying, God, I want your will and kingdom and name to be honored here. That's what I want and to be formed inside of me and to be okay when you say enough's enough to be okay with that. And to not be the boss of me. These are things that we're going to continue to tweak over time. These aren't things I know uh, a lot of times we like to go if we're in school and I want to take a test and I want to ace it the first time. Now, these are part of discipleship that we're going to keep and the spirit's going to keep honing. But they have to become a part of who we are. We have to dig in just a tad bit more, okay? Because here's the thing, is is there's this idea of, okay, that's kind of passive. I get that, okay? But then we have to dig a little deeper because it's dangerous for us to think that, okay, Christianity is passive. It's not. Christianity is, is lived out. Christianity is a practiced faith, okay? And so, but there is this. There's active and passive, and there's this tension we have to hang on to. Too much of one and not enough of the other is not going to get us to where we need to go. So we have to dig a little bit deeper, and this section that we're reading right here is really good. But Romans 12, it it helps us to begin digging a tad bit deeper here. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. What a great way to start every single day. It's just, I'm go- I have nothing to pray about except 
I want to present myself in every way, in every experience, in every relationship. Let me, let me lay myself down to be a living sacrifice for you, right? And holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual worship, okay? What I, I love, I love when we get together and sing. I love the songs that we're singing. I love being with my brothers and sisters and singing. But that is a, a, a small part of worship. Worship is kind of like a disco ball, right? There's a whole lot of different mirrors and sides to it. And, and singing and praising God is one. But laying down our life is another important aspect of that. So let's, let's always make sure that we don't ever just like put worship in like this one, one dimensional corner of when we sing songs. But going, hold on a minute, there's more to worship as well. And it's laying my life down. Don't be conformed to this age, okay? We talked about stopping and listening. Boy, could you imagine spending time in a quiet place and thinking about all of the implications of this? Don't be conformed to this age. Don't be conformed. And what we end up finding is how often we allow ourselves to conform. How scary it is to not conform. As much as we're a world that's growing, it seems to be growing in more of like a popularity to be nonconformist. In our, in our worldly attempt to be nonconformist, we all end up conforming to the same thing. Isn't it weird? Isn't it strange? True nonconformity is following Jesus. He says, don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of what's right here. By the renewing of how we think. The renewing of our minds so that you may discern what is good, ple what, uh, the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. That, that's a big question we all have at times. What is the will of God? What's God's will for me? That's, that's a question that will keep, even if you're not a Christian, oftentimes you're going, oh, I don't know, what's, what's this all about? He says, here's the deal, that our minds are renewed so we can discern what his will is. So again, we start the slow process. This is more active. We, we begin the slow process of having our minds renewed to where the thoughts we have aren't the thoughts of the world any longer, all right? So we're entering into this a little bit more active, okay? And we're going to find out two things, I think. One of the things is, is that what comes first matters. It really does. And we've read that. You heard Lauren read this about this concept of Jesus coming and saying, seek first the kingdom of God. See, what comes first does matter. There's, there's something else I want you to pay very close attention to as we read this again is the calming presence of Jesus. We're, we're going to really miss out. C could you imagine teaching or going and hear a teaching about, hey, don't worry. Don't be anxious. Stop. Don't even worry about that. And the person is yelling and ordering and could you imagine the last thing you do go, man, that would be the worst thing I think that could possibly happen is that. So we have to recognize the calming presence of Jesus here or we're going to read something into this.
that ends up being an enemy rather than an ally. Okay, so let's read this again. Let's read, uh, and we're going to stop a couple of times. All right, we're just, so here's what I want to do. I want to bump up just like one verse up because I think it's so important in us understanding this. In verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. It's interesting. There's this binary kind of thing that will happen. Either, man, you can't follow two. There's no way. You can't even try to do it. Because what will ultimately happen is you'll love one and hate the other. You can't love them both. It doesn't work that way. We can't love the world and God. It doesn't work. You're going to despise something and love something here, okay? And so he says, um, uh, you can't serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or about your body, what you'll wear, okay? And we're going to stop right there. Now, this idea of how our Bibles oftentimes are translated, you can't be a, a slave of both God and money, okay? Let me like rewire you a little bit on that term money right there, okay? I want you to think possessions. I want you to think material stuff, okay? It isn't just like the, the debit card account that you have. It's not those things. He's talking about the material world. You can't be a slave to your possessions and your things and the material stuff, and be a slave to God at the same time, when we are, something tragic happens, we'll despise God. And you, and you may very well be feeling that right now. Like I think in, a lot of times we're super scared to ever admit that, that you could possibly have like this low-level anger at God. And understand, part of that problem is, when I'm a slave to the world and material things and possessions, that will automatically happen over time. But when I'm a slave to God, what will happen over time is I'll despise the world and the material and the possessions. And that doesn't mean you end up, man, all of a sudden I'm going to hate all the things I love. We'll stop looking to them for fulfillment. What will be in what will end up happening is we will hate the world because we'll see that the world has been trying to fool us into being fulfilled for so long. Have you ever had kind of a joke played on you before? And when you figured it out, you were so angry that you didn't figure it out. That's happening right now spiritually. That's what Satan is doing. That's exactly what Satan's doing. And listen, the more we mature and are formed into Christ and we're slaves to God, the more we realize we are being completely tricked by Satan to think that if you just went, had one more thing, one more dollar, one more minute in your day, one more relationship, one more, and, and it's just this complete and utter trick. It just is, right? And so... Uh, again, it, we, we start out because he, he then says this. This is why I tell you, don't worry. All right. So he tells you this. He goes, and here's why. This is why I'm telling you. OK, so all of us having our ears on. Remember, we were talking about stop and listen and prayer and submission. This all can be plugged right into this section right here. This is why I tell you, don't worry. Like that is absolutely 100% a trustworthy saying. 
Anxiety is real. Worry is real. Man, listen, we are burdened by it. But understand something. God is not the product of worry and anxiety. This is the trick. The world's playing on us. Hey, keep coming, keep coming, keep doing that. And, and a lot of us, we've been doing this spiritually and we're so unfulfilled with being a disciple because we haven't found the fulfillment in Jesus and we're being tricked by the world over and over and over again. And then we hear Jesus say, don't worry. And who do we get cynical towards? Jesus. And, and I'm, I'm just going to ask, when does the world have to be responsible? Like, at what point do we go? You know, so often when, I, when I'm meeting with people and studying the Bible with people, it's like everything is towards Jesus has to go through every single like iteration to show that he is who he is. And when it comes to the world, we're just like, oh, the world's great. I believe everything the world says immediately. Yeah? Hey, hey, if the president says it, I'm in that political party. Of course it's true. No, no, no. The other political party, of course it's true. We fall. Like the world, we never put the world up to the test. Okay? And that's what's sad about all this information that's coming at us. Because we believe it, and then we go, oh, this isn't true. Don't worry, you can't do that. Now understand, that's exactly when we realize Satan has got us in his clutches. All right? So don't worry. Don't worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, about your body, what you'll wear. Okay? Understand something. In the calming presence of Jesus, this is such good news. I don't have to worry about what I'm going to wear. I don't have to worry about going hungry. I don't have to worry about going thirsty. Isn't it interesting? We have our brothers long, 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 long time ago coming out of Egypt, our brothers and sisters when they're safe. What, what, are they, what are they so angry and complaining about? Where's the food? Where's the water? What, what are we going to do? Right? And they're angry and complaining. And, and God is like, let me show you. I'll make water come out of a rock. Okay. It, again, it's not this, it's this calming presence of, going, of God going, listen, you want to know what? You can be in a desert. Hey, if there's a rock there, I'll make water come out of it if I need to. Don't worry. Don't worry, okay? And again, that's great information, right? It's awesome. Go, hey, man, that's really cool. Okay, we don't have to worry about those things. But then there's what's inside of us, right? The mind does well what the mind does often. You've heard that before? It's true. The mind does well what the mind does often. When we, when we complain, I, listen, I come from a long line of complainers and, and just bittermans. Okay? And you train your mind to do it, it does it very well. Automatically. Automatically. The mind does well what the mind does often. And so it's when, when it's worrying, oh man, am I going to have enough money? Am I going to have enough food? Am I going to have enough this? Am I going to have enough entertainment? See, we're beyond even... Like, he's talking about just necessities of life. We're, do you understand? Like, we're at the next level of not needs, but wants. Okay, and, and you see, that could become like a really big problem when we follow Jesus because we're going, hold on a minute. He said, don't worry, because listen, if I don't worry, then he'll give me all of the entertainment, the technology, the, all of that. He'll give that to me. 
Mm-mm. No, 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 no. We got to come down a notch. He's saying, I'll give you enough. I will give you enough of what you need to live. Does that mean you can't have good things? No, that doesn't mean that at all. But we have to recalibrate our thinking to go, okay, I'm really worried about what? Oh, man, I'm worried about there's a new iPhone coming out and it's really expensive. Man, I'm worried about my, my TV technology is changing. Like, I don't even know what kind of TVs are out, like plasma, LED, SCD, TED. There's all these different things. And I'm like, I don't even know. I just want to watch a picture of something. And it move. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I want. I, I don't know. But oftentimes our worry is way above even our necessity. It's, it's strange, but he says here, so, so don't worry. This is hard though, isn't it? I mean, it is difficult. I mean, we can't just look around and go, that hey, is simple. Super simple. But he goes on here, and, and I love this next section. This section is so helpful for me. And, and we're going to start right there uh, in verse twenty. Uh, uh, no, right in the middle of 25, okay? So, um, is not life more important than food? And the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God closes, clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't worry. Saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So here's the interesting thing about this. It's really helpful for me. I think it's a really deep principle for us to wrap our arms around as well, is this. um, No, that's not the one I want. Nope, nope. Where'd that slide go? I'm going to probably find that slide down the road here okay Um, it's interesting he asks us a whole lot of questions right here okay so um, all of these highlighted in orange are questions we to begin with let's ask ourselves different questions this is going to help us to really kind of get on the same page with God and what he's wanting to do this is fascinating because could you imagine sitting here and, and Jesus, let's say Jesus was just sitting here and he's teaching and he's asking these questions and he's saying, hey, listen, you, you're worried. I know we live in a world, we live in an anxious world where nothing seems to be stable. It changes every single day. Bad things are happening. Who knows what's going to happen with money? We may be trading seashells by the end of this year. You know, like it really is that kind of thing. And if you're in college and you're coming out, you're going, man, will I have a job? Have I just spent all this money? Now I'm going to be in debt for the rest of my life because my job isn't, you know, there's, there's all of this insecurity. And here's the great thing is Jesus isn't coming to tell perfect people how to be more perfect. He's talking to broken people like us. He's talking to broken people who he knows like it is. I get it. I get it. I get how crafty Satan is. I get how crap, I get that it's not just the easiest thing to identify Satan. And I get that. And Jesus is understanding this. And instead of just lecturing, he starts saying, listen to this, isn't life, 
isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? This is where scripture demands us to stop and listen. Okay? This isn't just, I had a great devotional today. This is, am I willing to sit with this? And maybe not this one question, but let's go to the next question. Aren't you worth more than they? Hey, look around. Look at how I, look at how I help the birds. How, how amazing would that be? Could you imagine Jesus knowing you? Down here he even said, he says, you have little faith. Like he's not saying, he's talking to people. He's like, you ain't a superhero in the faith. Okay, he's reminding us who we are. He's not talking about like, hey, if you're an all-star. He's saying, you have little faith. But he says this, could you imagine hearing this from Jesus? Aren't you worth more to me than even the birds? That may be one of the most powerful lines in the entire New Testament. But, but we don't think about that when it comes to worry. And we don't see that the way Jesus is trying to like form us is that we'll ask a better question to stop long enough because Satan is telling us you're not worth more. You aren't worth more. You're a failure. Listen, here's the thing is, is you know in the world at the end of things is destruction. It doesn't matter how much we like make, how much, we, how much fun we have, any of these things. But for Jesus to say, hey, listen, here's the deal. You're worth more to me than these birds, and I take complete care of them. That, that's pretty powerful. But again, it's not just like a sermon point. It requires us to sit in this silently and to meditate on these things. Can anyone add a single cubit to his height by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? See, you could take this entire section of questions and just sit in this for days. I understand that we have jobs. I'm not talking about 24 hours at a time. But, but I am saying this. I'm saying, listen, there are times that we do need that. There are times you want to know what? It's time to go away for a whole day, for 24 hours, for 36 hours in silence. But this requires more than 10 minutes on my way out the door. It does. Is maybe just these questions going, oh, wow. Yeah, why am I worrying? Like it doesn't, this doesn't seem to make sense why I'm worrying because this is such great news. And it's personal news. He's, he's saying it to, to, to people, to us. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown in the furnace, won't he do much more for you? I think sometimes it's really easy to think God isn't going to do much more of anything for us. Like we just try to skid by. Like, let me just get by where he likes me. And he's going, no, 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 hold on a minute. He makes the, he's, he's giving this lesson and, and just go out in the spring to a field of flowers. And he's saying, listen, look how beautiful these are. Don't you think I'll do much more for you? See, the thing about it is, as this sinks in, worry goes away. As this reality sinks in of this God who we love, and this is the king of the kingdom here. These are the questions. We have to ask better questions. And he says, don't ask these questions. What will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? And don't ask those questions. Go back up. We have to ask better questions as our mind. Listen, we're trying to rewire our mind here, right? And he goes in. Then he goes down because that sounds great. I love it. And then he says, here's what I want you to do. 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Uh, like I said, some of you have heard this before. When I was a brand new Christian, this is probably the single thing I am most grateful for that I was taught on a consistent basis. Was this idea of, hey, Keith, seek first the kingdom of God. Okay. But it reveals a few things and it's revealed some things inside of me when I'm not really, sometimes I think seek first the kingdom. That sounds like I'm not going to have as much fun in life. <laughs> seek first the kingdom. It means, man, that's going to be a, what, like what? I don't know. It thinks, listen, this command right here brings things out of our heart that I think is worth us even taking a look at. One is, when I weigh the things I want in my life and I hear Jesus say, seek first the kingdom, is that a letdown? Maybe we get revealed like deep down what God is coming to is going to be kind of boring. I, like what I have plans for my career and my direction and when I'm the boss of me, I have exciting plans. And this may come out a little bit. This may. You know, we wrestle with this idea of providence of God. God providing for us. Okay? But here's the interesting thing. Is if my goal is, like, and, and this can come up out of our heart. Is it doesn't matter how I make my decisions. Let me make good decisions and God will provide for me. See, that's not seeking first the kingdom. That's seeking me. I'm the boss of me. And God, you provide for me when I get there. And, and thankfully, in God's grace, you want to know what? We make knucklehead decisions sometimes, and he will provide still. But do you see how it can be so close to where I'm still the boss of me? And so I'm going to try to make a good decision, but I'm not going to seek the kingdom first. I'm going to seek what I want first, and God, you provide for me. See, these are things that when we hear this command of Jesus, these things can kind of come out a little bit, Right? And just plain mistrust. This may be one of the areas, especially, okay, like, like for, for my generation, okay, like Gen X and then you go to the boomers and all those kind of things. This may not be the biggest deal necessarily, but as you work down into younger generations, this, this is the thing, right, that may have to come out into the light. That you just don't trust Jesus, because everything about the world you're growing in, growing up in is telling you don't trust anyone. Now, believe everything you hear, but don't trust anyone. Now, we're that's how the world works. Don't trust anyone. And it may have boiled down into I don't trust Jesus. That's not understand something. That's not the death sentence. It isn't. It's not the end of the line. It doesn't mean you can't be saved. It doesn't mean you have some faith problem or something like that. But if it doesn't come out into the light and work through, through God's scripture, it will be this, it will be this thing that will always keep us unfaithful and we'll try our best to find fulfillment still in Christ. And so this may be one of those things that you might have to pull somebody out to the side and go, help me with this. I don't think I trust Jesus. Maybe. So as we're taking this away with us, here's, again, there, there, this is such a little small. Listen, if, if we 
don't take away from this this time to stop and listen, to pray through this, to to put ourselves in front of God and go, okay, I'm I'm not the boss of me. I'm hearing you. I'm, I might need some time to wrap my arms around this, but I'm I'm going to be in submission to you, Jesus. These are those. This is a starting point. I'll just kind of lay out to you, right? Is is when it comes to how I spend my time. Do I truly seek first the kingdom of God? That doesn't mean, okay, you have a job, you have to pay bills. I understand that. That's not what we're talking about. But it's the idea of, do I give any thought whatsoever about how I'm using my time? And is it for the kingdom of God? Am I seeking first the kingdom or am I the boss of me? And then I try to fit it in. This is the sad part. And it's happening more and more is Christianity and discipleship is becoming more about what I can plug in after I have everything I want to do. That may be something to look into in my relationships, my relationships with maybe a dating relationship, in my relationships with friends, in my relationship with with people who just I don't like. See, when I seek first the kingdom, when I bring myself under submission to God's way, now you want to know what my enemies I love. And I pray for. That's very different. But when I seek first the kingdom, you know, what my king says is, you love your enemy and you pray for them. That's seeking first his kingdom in my purity, in my finances. See, we're, if you've noticed, we're beyond, we're beyond going, hey, everyone messes up. Okay, that, let's, let's erase that from our minds as disciples to go, well, who's going to be perfect? Nobody's going to be perfect. Okay, no, 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 no. That statement, okay, again, I want to use the, the wedding analogy here, okay? If you're getting married and you come up and there's the bride and the groom and the groom says, hey, I'm not going to be perfect. I'm just going to be glad we're married and I mess up. How would you feel? He says, I can't guarantee you I'm going to stay pure to this marriage. I can't guarantee you I'm not going to commit adultery. I can't guarantee you that. But hey, who's perfect? How would you like those vows? See, when it comes to us, we're going, you're crazy. No, like I will put my foot down. But again, here we go. Unthinkingly, we accept that when we're in our relationship with Jesus. Hey, man, thank God I can kind of mess up. Thank God I can kind of, I'm not talking about perfect performance, but there's a difference between, hey, I'm not there yet, but I'm seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness and just flatly going, no, it's perfect. Don't judge me. I'm fairly certain when me and Abby got married, when we were standing up there, if I said that, she would very well judge me. (laughs) Okay? She would go, no, I'm judging you. Right? And I'm leaving. (laughs) But, But again, here's the thing is, do I expect and demand more for me than I do in my relationship with the king? All right? The, The best thing to do if... If we begin thinking of each decision we make as a kingdom decision. Okay. Now you guys have heard me say before, okay. It's like, well, the church is a part of the kingdom. The church isn't the entire kingdom. This is where it comes to be very important, okay. Because you may leave here. I, man, I, I love our church, okay. Our, we're flawed. We, 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 don't have, we don't make all the perfect decisions all the time. You may go and be a part of a church that is not in the will of God, okay? You may go and find yourself in a church and they teach the right doctrine but not anything else. And the goal isn't seek first the church and its righteousness. Seek first the kingdom. Now, as we do that as a church, we're going to be healthy. 
because we're inside of that kingdom. But I think sometimes it gets really kind of, you know, I've been there before. Where what I really want, seek first the church. What does that mean? Man, when Keith says that we're going to do this, then everybody fall in line. Okay? Seek first the kingdom. And as a church, we're going to strive to be maturing and being formed into the likeness of Christ in his kingdom. Okay? But each decision is a kingdom decision. That's I think will be helpful. Last thing. This, to me, is a passage that... Is what this is just one of my favorites, the kingdom of heaven. Okay, we've been talking a lot about the king and the kingdom, what the kingdom is like. We've been talking about submitting to the king, we've been talking about taking time and trusting. Okay, and Jesus says, Here's what the kingdom of heaven is like it's a treasure. Have you found a treasure before? I mean, like a substantial treasure, right? Wouldn't that be great? I don't know if you ever owned a house before, you check the attic when you buy the house. I mean, there might be something up there. Okay, am I the only one that's ever done that before? Where I'm like, man, there's a big chest of gold up there or something? Treasure is great. He said, here's what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's a treasure buried in a field. And when the man finds it, he reburies it. And in his joy, in his joy, he goes and sells everything. All right? In his joy, he goes home, gets on Facebook Marketplace, sells it all. Okay, doesn't even care. Come and get it. Right? Because I got this piece of land with a treasure on it. Nothing comes close to this, okay? That's what the kingdom's like. It's like a merchant in search of fine pearls. He found a priceless pearl. He went and sold everything he had, okay? Is there anything that you would say, I will sell everything I have right now for this? Okay? He says, that's what the kingdom is, though. All right? So if the answer is, I'm not sure. If the answer is, maybe. Okay, if the answer is, "Eh, I think I'd like to want to. Okay, just understand, this is part of the journey. Okay, where you're not, not, if you aren't ready to go and do the Facebook marketplace with all of your possessions, listen, that is not disqualifying you, but hopefully it gives us an idea of going, okay, maybe I'm still kind of like in this infant stage here. and, And Jesus is telling me the kingdom is like this. Okay, let me continue to stop and listen. Let me continue to pray in the will of Jesus. Let me continue to not be the boss of me and let that Holy Spirit transform me so I see clearly the kingdom of heaven where I'm like, God, I would do it, all right? And again, it's not saying, oh, if you don't do it, something's wrong. No, no, no. But he's saying, listen, this is how great the kingdom is. It's how incredible the kingdom is. So again, I hope when you go back this week and read it and study and meditate and take some time that you, you kind of get challenged on what's coming first in life, but also not leaving out the idea of the calming presence of Jesus. Right? Of him, you know, instead of him like pointing his finger and telling you, by golly, you better do this. It's the idea, hey man, come on up here and sit next to me. Let's talk about these things. Listen, I want you to succeed. I love you. Yeah, you have little faith. I love you, and I'll take more care of you than you could possibly imagine. The calming presence of Jesus. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC. 